Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that wonders, would it hurt more to step on a set of dice for Dungeons & Dragons or on Legos? My (laughs) name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening, along with me as always, my brother Peter. Here. Um, That's like the second time within about a month that you've mentioned stepping on Legos with your opening joke. Oh, really? I'm just picturing your house is just filled with uh, Legos or something like that. I I, thought there was a there was another Lego joke. Maybe it was uh, maybe it wasn't one of the opening jokes, but we definitely talked about it recently on the podcast. Well, well, Legos, uh, I have been doing a lot of Legos as of late. Um, the Lego has been doing a lot of adult sets. I don't know if you've noticed them. Um, I don't know if you've seen like the, the flowers and like the bonsai tree. Um, and so like I got the bonsai tree, which is amazing. Um, they have a bouquet of flowers that you literally just put together, which is designed to be put in a vase and like set on your counter. Um, then they have, uh, I got the infinity gauntlet. Um, I got the two Batman heads, the Michael Keaton one and the Adam West one. Um, for Christmas, we got the, uh, big friends apartments, uh, set. Like there's like, I've been doing a lot of Lego stuff in my house lately and I've done a huge rearrangement so they could all be like displayed properly and stuff. It's kind of cool. So yeah, <laughs> I, have Legos, awesome. like, I have Legos like all <laughs> over the place right now. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, man, what have you been up to? Uh, not too, not too much. Um, just in, been enjoying the holidays. Um, I noticed you were just mentioning Christmas gifts and, uh, this year I mostly got clothes as predicted, but I got a couple, couple cool nerdy things. Like, uh, my wife got me a few different, uh, star Wars shirts, which is all, always awesome. And I got a, uh, pair of, uh, Pac-Man pajama pants. So like the pattern on the pants is literally like the Pac-Man, like maze, like a level. And then there's just ghosts and Pac-Mans all over the place. So that was pretty great. Um, I did have one other thing I got that I was super excited about, but I was going to save that for watching and reading, which, uh, yeah, I don't know if if we should jump into there or if you have any further Lego stories to regale us with. (laughs) No, not not direct story. Well, I will say this. Whoever designed the Friends Apartments Lego set. So there's two Friends sets. There's one that's Central Perk, which is the coffee shop. And then the other one, which is the, the two apartments with the hallway. So it's like Chandler and yeah. Joey's apartment, the hallway, and then the Monica and Rachel's. Um, whoever designed those. Um, I, The doors for the bedrooms on Chandler and Joey's swing the opposite direction on the Lego than they do on the show. And uh-huh. then... Monica and Rachel's bedroom doors swing the wrong direction and the bathroom door swings the wrong direction. I thought that was really weird. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I was like, wait, that's <laughs> you can't weird. just, you can't just reverse them though. You can. I just thought it was weird. I was like, just in the directions they have them swinging the wrong way. And I was like, that's odd. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's all. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's all. I I don't know. Talk about me being nitpicky, right? <laughs> anyway, um, let's um let's talk about what we're watching. What are we reading? Um, I got three big things actually. So, what do you got? Nice. Um, so yeah, as I was mentioning, uh, one of the gifts that I got for Christmas that I'm actually super excited about is, um, they recently came out with an art of goosebumps book, um, that I actually got this year for Christmas, which is great. And it's one of those things that I put on my list and I just completely forgot that I asked anybody for it. And then, uh, my parents got me a copy, which was really cool, but I always ask for art books for Christmas, but usually I'm just kind of like, just kind of leave it open, like, you know, just generically put art books on my list and I never get any. But this year I actually got the Goosebumps one, which is pretty great. And uh, basically what the book does is it goes through every single cover of every single Goosebumps book. And then it kind of gives a little bit of the backstory, like it shows the preliminary sketches for each cover and you get to see like some of the behind the scenes stuff, um, you know, whether it's stuff that uh R.L. Stein has like little sort of snippets on different pages and um, uh, T. Jacobus, who is like the uh, the main artist, like there's a couple other cover artists for Goosebumps, but he was like the main artist for the whole thing. Um, And he's got like an interview in there. And it's just really it's just really awesome. I mean, Goosebumps is something that I grew up with and I think has really um, I think it really left an impact on my aesthetics i guess as far as like what kind of comics and artwork and stuff i still like to this day so it's just a cool gift and it's something that you know whenever i I get a book like this i just kind of obsessively read through it which is basically what i've been doing like reading every single page and every description because it's just like this is the kind of stuff i like like i love behind the scenes like art and creative stuff um and what was it? Oh, the, the the one complaint that I would really have about this book is some of the ex- excerpts aren't super well written, I would say. But um, while I was reading through it, I actually realized, like, well, this is a Goosebumps book and it might be written at like a lower level because they're probably trying to appeal to kids and adults alike. And I was I kind of became a little bit more forgiving, forgiving of that, because there's just some of the excerpts. I was a little bit like, well, that's kind of, you know, a little clunky how they word worded this. And and then I had to remind myself, like, oh, yeah, this is a kid's franchise. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to be a little bit forgiving in that regard. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, By the way, I knew you were getting that book. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, Dad told me like a couple of days prior to you getting it. <laughs> we, were talk- we were talking <laughs> cool. gifts. I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Like, <laughs> so. did did he think it was like a cool gift or what was? Uh, I'm just kind of curious what he said I guess about he it. Didn't really understand what it was until it like arrived at the house and he like opened it up before he wrapped it. Like, what is? Oh, this nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I did watch a few other things. Um, I yeah. finally did get a chance to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, it was great. Like, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I think everything was handled really well. I think it was a great continuation of the story. And I think they uh, um, they kind of set up like this group of kids as almost the next Ghostbusters team without having to explicitly explain it. Like, it just kind of happened. And by the end of the movie, you just understood that that happened. But it wasn't like 
overwhelmingly explained to you. It was just kind of they showed it happen and it felt really natural. So I really appreciated that. Um, I think you see what I mean about how the movie had heart, though, like the way that. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And and I do I do think with that in mind, I do think they had a good grasp of the heart of the original Ghostbusters movies, because some of the dialogue and stuff just felt spot on, especially um, I can't remember the character's name, but um, Egon's, uh, I guess, granddaughter. um, Some of her lines, because she was really taking over this sort of Egon centric personality out of all those characters. And some of her lines did real, really feel like, yeah, I could see Egon delivering that same bit of dialogue there and stuff. So I thought that was really cool. And then um, by the time it gets to the end, um, just spoilers, I guess, (laughs) how they tie in Egon to everything. I think that was handled really tastefully. And uh, we got some really cool moments when it comes to seeing the classic uh, Ghostbusters team reunited. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I'm saying too much, but I did oh, you're, give a brief spoiler warning. So. Yeah, no, it's all good. The movie's been out for a while, too. And you did stay for the two post credit scenes, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Right. Um, and um, those were those were great as well. But what were you going to say? Well, I was really I, I know I talked about this before, but now that you've seen the movie, seeing new old Ghostbusters in that second post credit scene was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, good call. <laughs> and um, the shoot, don't lose train of thought now. <laughs> um, no, it was the heart. The oh, the the scene where Ray did all of his lore dumping on the phone. That's the one part that I had an issue with. Um, OK, interesting. That was the one part that I was like, eh, that was a little too much. It was like they didn't know where to put that dialogue. So they just chopped it up and put it right there. And you're just like, why is he like just giving her all this information? <laughs> that's <laughs> as a writer. I was like, what? But that's OK. But um, I don't know if that goes against Ray's character from the other movies, though, at the same time. You know, so and that's and that's the thing, you know. So. Yeah. Um, my, my bit of criticism, and I actually meant to research this a bit, but I haven't had a chance to yet. But um, I keep thinking about at the very end of the movie when, um, you know, at Egon's old house, uh, when they set off all the traps and it brings like all like the huge cloud of ghosts, like it traps them all. Why wasn't Egon sucked into the traps as well? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> That's what I keep thinking of. And the only thing I can think of is he set it up so he would know the exact spot he would have to be for that not to happen. And that's how I'm justifying it. But at the same time, I'm like, well, if it's like pulling ghosts out of the sky, like hundreds of feet up, you know, you'd think that it'd be able to pull somebody on the ground right next to it. But that's I mean, that's my only nitpick of the movie. And I hope I didn't ruin that scene for you or anything. It's just something I kind of have been thinking about and want to research a little bit more, you know? Yeah, no, that. Yeah, that's I. Yeah, that's a really good call. But then again, he could have been he could have been standing. He could have been standing off the trap. Um, he yeah. knew where they were. He knew where they were. Yeah, he, he had to be off the trajectory. Yeah. Um, plus, you don't know what kind of tech like these could be different kinds of traps. It could be specifically um, designed to like capture Gozer's horde or something. You don't really know. Like it could be specifically trapped specifically for the energy that those ghosts give off or something. You don't really know. So uh, just a question I have about it. Um, oh, I was also going to say we saw saw this movie during sort of the like the Spider-Man No Way Home craze was still going on. So 
I went with my wife and son and we were the only people in the theater. And uh, it was great because my son's <laughs> two and a half years old and he could talk and make as much noise as he wanted and it didn't matter. And uh, yeah, it was just a really good experience. <laughs> so, oh, well, that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I always I always wonder how that works with people who bring babies to theaters because, well, yeah, I totally. Yeah. Yeah, we lucked out this time. I, I was convinced there'd be somebody really pissed off at us the whole time. But yeah, we were <laughs> scotch free in the clear this time. So sure. um, I'll keep this next uh, recommendation really short unless you've seen it, Drew. But I watched the new movie uh, Don't Look Up on Netflix. Um, are I have, you familiar with this I have one? watched I have watched Don't Look Up. So let's save this review if that's all right. Oh, Awesome. Okay, cool. I was going to keep it super brief, but I guess we can get a little bit more detailed with that one. Yeah, we can. Um, and the old. Oh, keep going. <laughs> no, we can definitely get a little more detailed. So let's just save it for a minute. So I will get through mine and then we'll catch back up. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, and then the other the only other thing that I watched uh, is I finished Hawkeye, of course. So I finished I'm Hawkeye. Sure we'll be talking about that in a bit. So, <laughs> okay. Well, so first off, um, we talked at the beginning of the show before we started recording. Uh, you have not watched Book of Boba Fett. Right? Yeah, I know. It's yeah. it's horrible. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. The um, the first chapter released on Disney Plus. Um, I watched the first episode. Um, I the only reason I didn't remind you is because I figured that was going to that one was one that was on your radar. So I didn't think I had to remind you. <laughs> um, it's just it's it was just really with the holiday and stuff. I just have been busy and it just completely blew by me. <laughs> Gotcha. But no, I do feel good. bad. I can't believe it. It's all good. So, yeah, Book of Boba Fett, the first chapter was fantastic. Um, I, I really don't want to say much because I don't want to ruin it for you. But it answers a good handful of questions, which are mm -hmm. great. Um, and, uh, yeah, it answers a really good handful of questions, which are awesome. And then um, let's see. Uh, there's one scene in the show that and I don't know I don't know if it's my TV or just Disney shows because I've played with the brightness on my television um but sometimes with the Disney shows I feel like they're dark and dimly yeah. lit dimly lit I mean um more than anything and I've played with the brightness on my TV and the only place I'm finding it dark is Disney plus um but there's a scene in the first episode of Book of Boba Fett which is at night in a desert. <laughs> so okay. it's not easy to see what's going on in that scene, in my opinion. But like I was fine. I could see everything. It just felt like uh, that Battle of Winterfell episode of Game of Thrones uh, with when they were battling, <laughs> battling the um, White Walkers at night. I was like, I can't. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> so, um, but if you're paying attention, you can see and it's it, everything's there. It's just they're in the desert. At night, so there's like zero light, and they had to they lit it as best as they could to still convey what they were trying to show off. Um, that's my only quibble with uh, the show, but that's my quibble with all Disney Plus shows because they're for some reason too physically dark, and I don't know why that is. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if it's like I, I had that complaint about uh, one of the Hawkeye episodes recently too, but I also don't know if it's. Uh, Maybe the problem is these are TV shows based on movie franchises and we're comparing them to movie franchise lighting, like really big budget movie lighting. And, you, you know, know we, you have to remember it is a serialized TV show and the production value is so high that I guess we can be forgiving of a badly you know, lit scene here or there. That is a, that is a quality, quality uh, point to make. <laughs> um, um, 
I also wanted to mention, I did look up the release date. Book of Boba Fett just came out today, so I don't feel too yep. bad for not watching <laughs> it yet. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was like, he should remember. We should be okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I would have said something, so I'm sorry. Um, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, all right. So the next thing I watched was uh, Being the Ricardos, the I Love Lucy. Oh, cool. Uh, with Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. Uh, J.K. Simmons is in it. Um, it's a pretty decent cast. Um the movie takes place over the course of one week um, in probably the middle of the show's run for something that controversially happened with in the production of the show. And then it's all behind the scenes and you really get to see. And what's interesting is seeing Lucille Ball as a person versus yeah. Lucille Ball as the character on the show. And it was it's it's like a night and day difference, completely two completely different characters. And you just don't think about it that way, because she really was she's an incredible actress who understood what she was doing. She understood what was funny and watching her. There's some really great sequences where she's thinking through the scene like, no, 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 this isn't funny enough. And this is why it's not funny. And we need to fix this. And you have the director arguing with her going, I think I know what I'm doing. And she goes, you clearly don't because something's wrong. And like her like deconstructing everything to fix a sequence you know it's it was really kind of mm. cool like in terms of like a film that how stuff is shot and made and then how actors think through a process it was really kind of cool to watch that on the nice. other side of it on the other side of it as a movie it was it was pretty cool to watch um and then uh it was really cool to sit through and watch it was written by aaron sorkin so you know i was all in because you know i'm a big aaron sorkin fan um <laughs> But I, I really, really enjoyed it. And there was some stuff. It was interesting going in because I was not alive for I Love Lucy. I watched it on reruns on Nick at Night. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I've seen the handful of like big episodes, but then there's stuff that I just don't know. And then but seeing the old school studio stuff, seeing the uh, old school filmmaking stuff and go through and some of it's like familiar territory, but it's all new information, if you will. Yeah. Okay. So it was good. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it sounds interesting from that regard. Cause like, I'm the same way. Like I watched, I love Lucy a lot growing up because I think it was just as a kid, you know, before the internet was what it is today, you'd only have so many things to watch. So every once in a while, you're going to end up watching. I love Lucy and Nick at night, <laughs> whether it was one of the shows that you liked or not. Um, and I did enjoy it, but I don't know anything about the actual actors or anything in that series. So it probably would be super interesting to watch, you know, and get a whole new perspective on everything. It is on Amazon right now. So oh, cool. if you have your Amazon prime, look it up. Cause it's, it was actually, it was pretty good. It's a little over two hours. Um, so it's pretty standard, like maybe two hours and 15 minutes. It's just, it's, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like that long. So um, nice. Um, all right. Let's talk about don't look up. Real quick, we'll save yes. Hawk at the end because Hawkeye Hawk, will segue into news. Um, so don't look up. Um, this is uh, Adam McKay, um, who uh, did uh, Step Brothers, for example. Um, he's writing a he's writing a dark comedy with DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill. Um, like <laughs> the cast is massive. And it's like these A-list actors and they're doing uh, their thing. And I found the movie incredibly funny and like subtle humor funny, too. Um, there were some things that were like, like, I really was laughing through this movie. 
Um, and everything is like super subtle and it's like, you have to kind of like listen for the humor while these people are dealing with this catastrophic event. Um, the, the critics are destroying the movie. Like they hate this film. Um, and I'm going to, and this is one of those things where I'm going to say, I don't think the critics understand this film. Um, but it's also a meta review for the critics not to like this movie, because when you think of the subject matter, and people not listening or not caring. It's just like the movie. <laughs> um, because essentially the movie is about two astronomers who discover a comet that's headed directly towards Earth. It's an extinction level event or it will be an extinction level event. And they try to warn everyone and no one seems to care. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the and that's where the humor begins. So what are your thoughts? Because I thought it was great. And I'm really so, happy the way it ended, by the way. I. I didn't really know a lot going into this movie um, and I really did enjoy it. I think it's a really well done film for me. This movie is a little bit, I wasn't laughing through it because I think this movie has the same effect on me as a movie like meet the parents does because okay. for me, the first time I watched meet the parents, I was so like angry and annoyed and felt so bad for uh, Ben Stiller's character that I just couldn't, laugh at it. And it wasn't until repeat viewings that I actually was able to crack up at a lot of the moments of that movie. And I think this movie is going to be the same way, because while watching it, I was getting so annoyed at the politicians and the media and just how everybody <laughs> was reacting to this extinction level event. And and I feel true to life social commentary about oh, what the world currently is right now. <laughs> absolutely. And I, I feel like um especially like the way the politicians are portrayed. I feel like it's almost like pretty accurate where they're like really ignorant and uh, don't necessarily care about much besides like how things are going to benefit them or getting reelected and stuff. And I feel, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like the movie's probably more like way too accurate, you know, that way more accurate than you'd expect. And that kind of annoyed me as well. <laughs> but the fact that it did annoy me, I think, is what the movie set out to do. So, like I said, I really did enjoy this one a lot. Um, as far as the critics not liking this movie, that really cracked me up because it kind of reminds me of uh, the movie The Hunt in a little bit in certain ways, which came out in. 2019, I believe, um, or maybe 2020, like right before oh, uh, uh, the pandemic happened. Uh, this is the Blumhouse Betty, horror Betty movie. It's kind of, what's that? Betty Glippin. Is that her name? Uh, not sure. Uh, I could be I, the, I the, the actress's name. The main actress. Uh, she's from uh, Glow. Oh, probably. It's, yeah. It sounds right. I can't okay. exactly recall her face perfectly because it's been a while since I, I've seen the film. But I think The Hunt was a really divisive movie, too. Yeah, and I feel okay. like. Yep, I was right. Betty Glover. Oh, nice. <laughs> so but I feel like The Hunt is very similar to Don't Look Up in that it kind of uh, pokes fun at both sides of the political spectrum. And I feel like Don't Look Up is the same way where there's jokes that are going to be the blunt head for both liberals and conservatives. And if you are really, really like firmly in one camp or the other, you might get offended by things. But I think uh, Don't Look Up also does a good job of being vague enough that you can kind of cast your own interpretations of things. And um, I think the director or the writer or whatever has said that 
this movie is kind of his coping mechanism for how inactive people are being about climate change. But I think you could watch this movie and think of uh, the extinction level event and think of that uh, being something to rep- represent COVID or, you know, a plethora of other issues. And I think that, um, yeah, I, I just think this movie is very interesting in that way. And I feel like when you just said the critics were getting, were tearing the movie apart, I just had to crack up at it. And it's, it's kind of a vague thing that's hard to make sense of for me right now, but I hope I'm kind of uh, making no, sense with my description there. <laughs> you were making absolute perfect sense. And it's just the way the movie depicted the social media aspect, the way the movie depicted the Steve Jobs type character, uh, Bash. Oh, I hated that guy, by Bash the way. Incorporated <laughs> or whatever that company is. <laughs> um, the way the, uh, the way the media depicted the way uh, society was like, nah, who cares? Yeah rolls into whether it's an extinction level event, whether it's COVID, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is. You're literally like the social commentary (laughs) that is underlined and into the script, like interlaced within that script. It was so gorgeous. It's such a smart movie. And I was literally watching it going, Oh my God, everyone needs to see this and really pay attention. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It it almost felt like a, it almost felt like an unofficial, like idiocracy prequel to me in a lot of ways too. And it was, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I really, really appreciate that the movie ended the way the movie ended. And I was really like, it was probably about 15 minutes to the end of the movie going, I really hope it ends with this. And (laughs) I'm, I'm really, really glad that it did end the way it ended. Um, yeah, it was it was great poetic justice, like just how the uh, like you said, the last, I don't know, five, ten movie minutes of the movie, how that played out, I thought was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you stay for the credit scene? I was just about to ask you. OK, nice. <laughs> if you if you sit down, don't look up. It's on Netflix right now. If you did sit down, if you do sit down and watch this movie, wait, stay to the end of the credits. It is worth the wait. Believe me, it's worth absolutely. The wait. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I can I say something? I'll say it super vaguely to avoid sure. spoilers. But after the credit scene happened, um, because I was watching it um, with my wife, she said, how could that happen? And I and I just said, if you think about what happened and where that character was, it actually makes sense that that could happen. So I'll just leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, all right. So don't look up. Check that out. It's fantastic. I was really pleased with it. Um, let's talk about the final episode of Hawkeye. Um, Absolutely. Because this will this will roll into this will roll into news real quick. So first off, I loved the final episode. Absolutely loved it. Um, the uh, I was really um, it was it was literally every single thing that I wanted in that final episode. They finally called the dog lucky. I've been waiting for that for a while. I've been like, it's lucky we just, I, say, his, we just say his name. I thought Pete, I like, I like pizza dog. I thought that was a cool name. <laughs> sure. Um, the, uh, watching them make the trick arrows was awesome. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great when, uh, they shrunk the car and she's like, well, what now? And he's like, I don't know. Oh, that was so good. It's like, left we'll Scott about that. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, uh, everything with Yelena was fantastic. I just want more of her like she's becoming I know she's basically picking up the mantle as Black Widow, but it's just it's getting better and better and better. And like it's like she walked onto that set already knowing your character like they had no, they didn't have to prep her. It was just like, here's your lines. Go. You're playing the same character. Have at it. You know, like, yeah, 
there was something about there was something magical about having her on set, which I just absolutely loved. Uh, and all the episodes she was in. Um, thoughts? Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, well, just since you were talking about Yelena and then also thinking about Kate Bishop, I think Marvel right now is doing something really smart where they are. They're introducing us to new characters who I'm assuming are going to go on and take over some of these Avengers roles as uh, other actors, you know, sort of age out of those roles. And I think Marvel's doing something really smart where they are taking these like a movie like Black Widow. They're using a movie that focuses on uh, Black Widow, but then they you know, they they introduce Yelena into that movie and you end up getting that emotional tie to that character. And then they take like the Hawkeye series and. They use the series that I guess focuses on Hawkeye, but really I feel like Kate, Kate Bishop is the star of the show. And they they take the series and they introduce us to this new character. And they're really I think they're doing a good job of fabricating like these characters that the audience is being introduced to in a way that they're going to stick with these characters and they're going to be an emotional emotionally attached to them moving forward. And I I just think they're handling this really smart. And it's really cool to see, because I think if it was just Marvel rolling out a bunch of new random origin films, we might not be as fond of these new characters. But I think because they're taking the characters we already know and love and using them to introduce us to the new characters, I just think that's a really cool move on their part. Yeah, it's why Kevin Feige is right. And X-Men needs to be a TV show before it's a movie. Disney, I know you're right. Absolutely. That's a great point. Um, As far as the episode, I thought this was a great finale. I think the episode was almost all action, which is pretty much what I expected. But it was a lot of great fight scenes. I think the ice rink fight sequence is one of my favorite fight scenes like I've seen lately. I feel like that scene and um, the chase scene from earlier in the series have been like potentially still like my favorite uh, MCU Disney plus series fight scenes so far. I just think both of those scenes were really amazing. Um, since you mentioned the, (laughs) the, the pin particle area arrow shrinking down the moving van and, uh, it, (laughs) it then being picked up by the owl. I thought that was a really funny callback because when, uh, Hawkeye first, uh, ends up in the Christmas tree and he sees the owl in there, you'd never you I I personally didn't expect that owl was gonna <laughs> yeah. come into play at all. <laughs> but then um later on when Kate is uh fighting Kingpin and uh she does that. She has a really cool callback to the coin toss that she learns to do. And this is another thing like I should have known it was coming where like, yeah, in the last episode, she's going to use that as a move somewhere. But she had a really cool callback to that uh, coin toss uh, or coin trick episode um, where she uses it to take the uh, take Wilson Fisk out. And I thought that was really great, too. Um, The Kingpin, uh, sorry, the Kingpin fight scenes. um, I've admittedly not watched all of the Daredevil series on Netflix, so I don't know how much of him in action we see in that series but i thought that was all awesome as well because they really demonstrated how strong and how good of a fighter kingpin is you know there's moments in marvel comics where you see kingpin like training and he's taking down like multiple different like ninja characters and he's obviously a really skilled and very strong character and i don't think I don't think I've seen that exhibited a lot outside of comics, but 
the way he was fighting um, and that scene specifically, I felt like was just perfect for uh, represent, representing how that character is. Um, otherwise, I'm trying to think. I just think it was is overall it was a great episode. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other aspects to focus on. But no, just overall, I was really satisfied. Uh, I still think this is my favorite of the Disney Plus Marvel shows. So, yeah. Well, so a couple so, yeah, I, I'm going to agree right now. This is definitely I don't know if I can say it's my favorite, but it's definitely probably top two. OK, um, how about that? Like, I'm not sure which one I would pick as my favorite, but if this wasn't my favorite, it's going to be the, at least number two. Um, the uh, the Wilson Fisk fight scene was amazing. Wilson Fisk and Echo. So let's talk about a couple things. First up, Echo's getting her own show. Um, we already know that. So we're getting a full show with her. Um, her killing Wilson Fisk, I thought was interesting. And I was like, wow, I did not expect that to happen because we're moving into Daredevil territory with Daredevil showing up in Spider-Man and then Kingpin showing up on Hawkeye and stuff. I was like, oh, we're moving into Daredevil territory now. Okay. Yeah. So, um, this, this is the news, uh, correlation here. One of the biggest moments in the Hawkeye finale was that Echo shooting the person responsible for her father's death, which would be Kingpin, um, <laughs> twice off screen. This was straight out of Daredevil number 15 from 1998. Uh, oh, cool. Which I thought was awesome. And it says, and this says that there's a, provides a full clue to the outcome of the gunshots, which here's the thing. It does say when I was finding this, there was like a link to read full article here. Unless you, if you don't, if you don't worry about spoilers, read the full link of the article here. I almost clicked on the link to read the article, but I was more impressed. I, I was like, no. Knowing that was a scene straight out of the comics from Daredevil 15 from 1998, I was like, that's awesome. That's really great. Big comic book moment. Knowing that there's someone could spoil something that happened in the book. I kind of felt like I would just let this one roll out and enjoy the ride as far as spoiler free on this one. Um, and yeah, and it's just they made it sound like it was too tied to the show to where it's going to play out exactly the same. So I was like, I'm going to stay away from this one. So that's why I didn't read the full article. But um, Oh, makes sense. Yeah. I was going to say, because they didn't show Kingpin die. You know, no, they, you hear a gunshot and that's that's kind of like off screen that it happens. Yeah. And I kind of was just viewing it as um, like I wasn't familiar with the story arc that that was based on or anything, but I was kind of viewing it with, with the comic book mindset of like, if you don't see a body, is the character actually dead? You know, I, I didn't necessarily. I'm it's still world, like skeptical the of this the last books, we've seen of Wilkes, Wilson Fisk. You know what I mean? <laughs> all the comic books, that's a pretty good way of referring to it. If you don't see a body like, look, everybody who dies in comic books can come back somehow. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the other big takeaway I thought was really interesting is when Hawkeye brings the um, watch back to his wife. Yeah. And you find out the watch has this shield insignia behind it. That mm -hmm. dialogue that they share between the two of them. She was former shield, mm -hmm. which that was kind of eye opening as opposed to just back I, in back in Ultron when he's like, yeah, um, Fury helped me set this up. Well, clearly they fell in love with her. They fell in love because she was either an agent or like a behind the desk analyst or something. They they met, had their thing, started a family and Fury helped them out, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. That that was a really good moment. And that's kind of um, I haven't even wrapped my head fully around that part, too, which is kind of why I didn't mention it. But, yeah, it is oh. very revealing and very interesting, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So 
Hawkeye was great. I hope there's more Hawkeye show or we just don't get. I hope we get to see Hawkeye again because I really want him and Yelena to be friends. I really like I really really want her to lean on him because she wants to know more about her sister. I really hope that. Right on. That's Mm -hmm. that's something I'm really kind of. I hope I hope they are smart enough to do something like that. Uh, They don't need to do it right away, but I really do hope that's something in the future. Um, So let's roll into news, man. Um, That's actually it for Marvel. Is that really it for Marvel? No, I got two things for Marvel. First off. Spider-Man No Way Home is Sony's highest grossing film ever. <laughs> Isn't it? Was what didn't it get like the highest opening weekend uh, or well, second highest next second, to Endgame? Second so. highest opening weekend ever uh, domestically. And then um, Spider-Man No Way Home is officially Sony's most po- profitable film to date, topping Spider-Man Far From Home's previous total of one point thirteen billion with one point sixteen billion. Um, and that's as of right now. Um, I don't know I, why it is, but I feel like if it's a Spider-Man movie or a Batman movie, it's always going to set records and it's always <laughs> going to be super successful. And, uh, well, this, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just those two characters, people flock to the movies and we've seen three iterations of Spider-Man where it's happened time and time again. So yeah, I don't know. It's pretty interesting, but what well, were you going to say? Well, I was expecting to get the theaters back to, pre-COVID box office dollars, it was going to take a superhero movie or Star Wars. Those were the the two. It's going to be one of those things that's going to get us in the seats. It didn't have to be Spider-Man. It could have been Batman. It could have been a new Superman. Um, I'm so glad it was Spider-Man because that movie was astounding. But I was half expecting, well, you're not going to get box office dollars like we used to have until the next Star Wars movie releases. Do you know what I mean? Like that was Mm -hmm. the linchpin. I thought because – in, in the past, Star Wars has always been the movie that drives people to the theaters. It's like, no, I have to see like it like you learned in 1977 that you had to see that on the big screen. And that's what people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just I'm so glad that Spider-Man got to be that movie that brought us back to normal box office dollars, I guess you could say. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're still not 100 percent there, but it feels like we're there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, when you're comparing it to Endgame, though, I mean. Spider-Man No Way Home was a crazy crossover event, but it's still Endgame had all the hype in the world. So you're going to have to I mean, you're right. We're not all the way there, but we are pretty damn close. And I think that's pretty great. So, yeah. um, okay. so this one I thought was interesting. And this is a potential rumor, but we know how rumors on the Internet works. If it says rumor, it's usually a done deal or real close to done deal. And that is Norman Reedus is rumored to be in final negotiations with Marvel to play Ghost Rider. Oh, <laughs> that's OK. That's cool. I like Norman Reedus a lot, so that's great. But um, I don't know him playing Daryl in Walking Dead um, as well as like he had a show on AMC where he just like mo- like he rode his motorcycle across the country and like interviewed people <laughs> and stuff and. I feel like he's just getting these motorcycle roles, which is it's still cool. Like he looks like he looks the part. He looks like a badass biker, dude. But it just kind of made me chuckle a little bit upon hearing that. Yeah, no, I I completely hear what you're saying. So um, I, I, I'm here like it, the the biker show made me realize that that's probably where that came from. But um, he is a really good actor in his own right. So I really think that. 
it's a far cry away from Nicolas Cage and a step in the right direction. Um, I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with Johnny Blaze to think to really like I'm not familiar enough with Johnny Blaze to go, ooh, you know who should play this part? It's like it's like before the X-Men came out and we were all like, who should play this character? There's no one in their right mind who would have said anyone else other than Patrick Stewart. <laughs> you know, right. like everyone was like, no, Patrick Stewart is Professor X, period. Like fans knew it. The studios knew it. You just had to say, Patrick Stewart, you're Professor X. Here's the check. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know Johnny Blaze well enough to just pick an actor and say, no, he'd be a better Johnny Blaze. Yeah. Um, and so, I think Ghost Rider's like everybody likes him because he looks so badass and he's such a uh, – he, he looks so badass and he's got a cool backstory, but I feel like a lot of people are in that boat where he's not their favorite Marvel character. And they mostly, you know, they mostly run into him when he makes appearances and other comics and stuff like that, as opposed to his own. So there probably is like a select group of people who have strong opinions on who should play Ghost Rider. But a lot of people, I think, are kind of in the same boat you were just describing. Yeah. Um all right, let's shift gears and talk uh, some DC news. Um, so first off, there is a rumor out here. I don't know how true this is. There's a couple sources that are saying this, um, and it's a hard truth, um, but I think it's something we all suspected, is that Ben Affleck is directly on his own deciding to leave DC. Okay. Uh, and I think we all knew this. I think uh, I think deep down we all knew this and had already accepted it. The idea would be that he'd be saying goodbye to the character in the Flash film. That'll be his last appearance of Batman. Um, it sucks because I'm really hoping we get a Justice League Part Two with Schneid- with Zack Snyder helping in some way. Like he could be yeah. executive producer and basically tell. Like he could. Like the way Richard Marquand directed Return of the Jedi with George Lucas sitting right next to him, going no 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 no, do it like this. Um, I was really hoping that's how that Justice League Part Two could have been handled. The way Warner Brothers is realizing they're making they made a mistake, um, but we'll never get to see that Bat, uh, Ben Affleck solo Batman film, which is sad. If this yeah. rumor is true, but however, the thing about this rumor being, if it's true, is that the decision is Affleck has directly said that he will never do a he'll never play a role in an IP that has a built-in audience again. Um, which is sad because that means the fan base and all of the internet nutbags <laughs> basically uh, scared him off. And he's like, I'm never dealing with this anymore. Um, yeah. The other side of it is that he said that um, I will leave so Michael Keaton can be the main Batman, um, which is really interesting because Michael <laughs> Keaton will reprise his role as Batman in the new Batgirl series. Oh, crazy. So we're getting Michael Keaton Batman in The Flash and we're getting Michael Keaton Batman in the Batgirl television series. Um, Yeah, that's I don't know. I I don't know know that. That's really interesting. though. Yeah. So I don't know what. um, uh, Yeah, there's nothing really much there other than that. So um, (laughs) I I wonder if it's going to be. My my thinking is that there was a rumor a while back that the Batman Beyond series will actually be more Batgirl Beyond and Michael Keaton. It'll be the same thing, but with Batgirl instead of Terry McGinnis. Um, oh, which, interesting. Which could be which could be really cool either way. Um, yeah, it's it's sad to see. I'll just say, like, it's sad to see Ben Affleck go. Um, and I think 
Batman's a role that I think when it when an actor uh, signs on as Batman, there's like a ton of pressure that comes from that role from the fan base because so many people hold that character dear, you know, and uh, I feel like Ben Affleck experienced probably the worst and the best of it at moments, but uh, I don't blame him for moving on, but he was a great Batman. So it it is uh, sad to see him go for sure. Okay. Um, Batman, the animated series is returning. Yes. On HBO max, but it's actually going to be returning as an audio drama with the original cast. Oh, Um, I don't know where the audio drama is going to be yet. Um, but, um, Kevin Conroy, John Glover, and more. Um, Alan Burnett has served as writer and producer on the original series, has written a great script, according to Kevin Conroy. Um, so they're going to be doing an audio drama, Batman the Animated Series. That sounds amazing. There's some really, really cool audio dramas out there. Um, so that's something I'm definitely going to want to check out. Um, and is this the uh – this is new stories. They're not going to be like retelling old episodes or anything like that. Right. It could be a mixed bag. Okay. Um, yeah, it could be a straight mixed bag, which would be kind of cool. Um, okay. So, uh, WB, uh, reconfirms the Batman is going to hit HBO max in April, which will be 46, (laughs) which will be 46 days after its theatrical debut. Uh, Okay. So if you are willing to wait one month, like I won't. I'm going to have to see it right away. But if you're willing to wait one month, it will be on HBO Max in April. Yeah, it's going to be hard with a Batman movie to not yeah. go to the theater. Like <laughs> I can see waiting for Shang-Chi or something. But like really Batman, it's going to everybody's going to be talking about this movie. You know, it's going to yeah. be so hard to wait it out. Yeah. And then I got I saved this one for last because you're the big Superman fan. Um, the Flash movies coming up and we're dealing with a multiverse. Um, there's a big rumor the General Zod and Feora from Man of Steel will be reprising their roles in the Flash <laughs> film. Uh, I mean, that'll that'll be badass. Um, Feora just looked cool. She didn't have a ton of speaking lines. But um, I mean, Michael Shannon, I think, is a great actor and he just killed it when he played uh, General Zod. So I would love to see him make another appearance. That's just I hope that's true. That's pretty, pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I really when. And Man of Steel, my one quibble at the end of the movie was I didn't get enough Feora. Um, right. <laughs> but that's me. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I, I feel like we didn't get enough of uh, General Zod even. But uh, I think it's just because he did. He was such a good villain and we only got him for that one movie, you know. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, um, you want to talk about tonight's list? Absolutely. Perfect. All right. So, uh, Ryan, let's it's list time. So do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, Uh, Peter, here we are. We're inching into 2022. Last week, we talked about our anticipated films of 2022. This week, we're going to be talking about our anticipated television shows of 2022, Uh, things we're looking forward to on the TV front. Um, I found this list very bizarre to put together because I literally literally almost had Marvel TV as one of my uh, choices (laughs) and and Star Wars TV as one of my choices because there is a ton of Marvel and there's a ton of Star Wars coming. Um, And then I was going through the list. 
there is, and I'm just going to bring up some highlights because I know this stuff we're not going to be talking about tonight. For example, Beavis and Butthead are being <sighs> rebooted in 2022. <laughs> I didn't okay. realize this one, but that's fine. Okay, I didn't. You know what I mean? Um, so that's a huge, that's a big one that I was like, oh my god, that's hysterical. Um, in the realm of Marvel, we have stuff like She-Hulk and Miss Marvel, and you know, Star Wars. We got uh, Ahsoka and Obi Wan and. Um, I assume Mandalorian season three, but we have book of Boba Fett that just started. So that's going to carry us into 2022. Um, I thought about, and I'm saying this right now, Cobra Kai is not on my list because it releases on the 31st. <laughs> so technically, oh, wow. so technically that is still 2021 <laughs> in my eyes. So I, I, I left that off the short list because I was really looking. <laughs> I mean, I was, if it's new year's Eve, like, I know I was really, really looking forward to it. And I'm like, and I started making my list and I was like, Cobra Kai, I started the short list and I was like, wait, that comes out on the 31st. Eh, I'm not going to count it because I'm, I'm just too percent. <laughs> that's too um, much. Of, that's being too much of a stickler. I mean, New Year's maybe. Eve is that's a judgment call if I've ever heard one. I, but, uh, I, I know, but they give you the whole season in one day. So <laughs> all, all I'll say about this list is I actually didn't start my list till, um, pretty short, like a lot shorter before the episode than I, I usually have my lists. I usually start preparing my list a lot sooner, but I kind of let this one sit till last minute. And I thought it was going to be really hard to put together. And uh, then I looked at the shows coming out next year and there was so many big ones that it was honestly really easy to put together. Like, Oh no, this show is going to be great. Okay. This is awesome. This is an easy list to put together. So I'll leave it at that until we oh. get uh, further into our list. So weirdly, there's a ton of stuff that I don't care about either. And when I, <laughs> when I say a ton of stuff, I mean, network television is practically dead. Like they always joke about it with like the media always jokes about network TV being dead or when you get to the Emmys and they're just like, yeah, network TV is dead and jokes and stuff. And it's all streaming now, but it's literally almost all streaming. And I, I was just kind of like, holy cow. You know what I mean? Like, wow, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Like I was scrolling <laughs> through the stuff. I'm like, yeah, I don't even watch it. Like I almost only watch streaming stuff now. It's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. Before we get started, there's a couple things I wanted to point out in terms of like television event stuff. Um, at least for the interim, because there's dates already. So the Golden Globes, which I know people are kind of like iffy about right now because of the um, because there's a protest with them not being uh, diverse. Like they're um, the academy that makes up the voting. The Golden Globes is not diverse enough. So there's like a whole like boycott the Golden Globes. But they are one of those award shows that kind of gives you a glimpse of what we're expecting for the Oscars, at least for nominations. Uh, the Golden Globes is going to be January 9th. Um, the Olympics, we're moving into uh, Winter Olympics, um, uh, which is going to be on February 4th. Um, I'm excited for uh, the Olympics specifically because I'm into like I like the winter sports like skiing. I love watching curling. I like the hockey. Um, so February 4th, um, if you're interested in that. The Super Bowl will be February 13th, um, and then the Oscars are March 27th. So that gives you an idea for us. Once the Oscars hit, we can do our favorites of 2021. So um, Absolutely, and it gives me a good uh, like three months that I can really catch up on movies that I missed <laughs> this past year to get ready for that list. So that's great. I know. So, yeah, that's just some like television dates I wanted to bring up just because I was like, oh, this would probably be good to discuss while we're uh, working through our list tonight. So. Right on. Um, all right. I have two honorable mentions. Uh, so do I as well. Yep. Um, all right. So who wants to go first? Um, did I go first and we did movies? 
Or did you go first when we did movies? I think you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say you could go first because next week's my pick. Or would that mean then I should go first, right? Um, <laughs> I'm sure this discussion makes for riveting podcasting. Our, our, our listeners are like, wow, you got <laughs> problems. This could have been talked about pre-show. <laughs> um, no, they're on the edge of their seats like, oh, who's going to go first? Who's going to go first? Well, how about this? Um, so I'll go first. It doesn't matter because next week, next week we get back to normal form and it's going to be your pick anyway. And then the rules kind of fix themselves. So I'll just go first regardless. Okay. Um, Because I mentioned the Olympics, that was my first honorable mention. It's not an actual TV show, but I'm a big Olympic watcher. um, And uh, I'm looking forward to Michaela Schiffer and tearing those slopes a new one and, you know, watching USA do what they got to do. So nice. Yeah. Um, Um, So, yeah, I had not much on the Olympics thing, but I just I'm I was happy for it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. So go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so my first pick is. uh, Witcher Blood Origin, which is a Netflix an Witcher prequel. Uh, I think it's live action. I just know that it's a prequel uh, series to The Witcher. And I believe this focuses on something to do with uh, the elves. <laughs> I read a brief description of it, but it wasn't I didn't get very in depth. It's more of just like I think The Witcher's cool. I love that there's like kind of a big dark fantasy boom going on right now. And uh, I'm just excited for more of it. That's pretty much all I know about this one, though. OK, nice. Um, my next honorable mention, and I'm going to get some I feel like I'm going to get some backlash here on this one is um, Ahsoka, the Disney Plus show. Um, the backlash is like, holy cow, why is that not higher on your list? Is just an honorable mention. Here's the thing. I'm really looking forward to the Ahsoka show. Um, but Ahsoka is drawing from many places, it's drawing from Rebels lore. It's drawing from um, Mandalorian lore. We saw the character already. This is kind of like I feel like Ahsoka is officially just getting her season. So I'm incredibly excited for it. My butt's going to be in a seat. But um, there's another Star Wars show that I'm way more excited for in terms of the Ahsoka show. So I was like, and when I was, oh, I see when I was putting together my list, I was like, well, I'm going to give it the honorable mention because I'm really excited Um but I'm also like, where are we going with this? You know, um, but I'll explain farther when I get to the other item. So, yeah, I mean, I can say that um, the uh, Ahsoka episode of The Mandalorian was pretty great. And uh, I'd be excited for more stuff in that vein. So, uh, yeah, it's a great pick. Um, I also wanted to mention I did just look it up and The Witcher Blood Origin is going to be a live action show. So nice. OK. Nice. All right. Sweet. <laughs> so uh, I can move into my next one, I guess. Yeah. Um, OK, so my next honorable mention is Batman, the Caped Crusader, um, which is the new animated series coming out. That's kind of following in the footsteps of the original Batman, the animated series. Um, this one I also don't know a ton about, but I think that's cool. It's kind I'm kind of more coming from the standpoint of DC animated series are always good. This one's really exciting. I just really want to see where they go with it, but it's not something I've been following super deeply besides like, you know, the few times we've talked about it on this show, just because I kind of want it to have a fresh feel when I finally watch it. You know, I kind of want to have a fresh experience without too many spoilers or anything like that. So I'm totally with you on this. Um, this this made my short list, but n- didn't go any farther. And it's because we don't know enough. We haven't seen yeah. it. 
thing. We just heard what they were able to tell us. And it's like, oh, that all sounds great. But that's all we got right now. And being a Batman <laughs> fan, I'm all in for more. DC always does amazing stuff with their yep. animated projects. So great. Bring it. Um, I'm, item, I'm honestly item. shocked that you that this didn't make your list, but uh, <laughs> keep going. I know an item that um, did that made my short list as well as Harley Quinn season three for HBO Max. Um, that Harley Quinn show on HBO Max is fantastic. And I can't wait to see the next season. But again, like and it's going to be amazing because it's HBO. It's DC animation. But again, it's like. You know, like the Batman thing, like I don't like. Harley Quinn, I'm like, I already know what I'm getting. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just getting the next season. With Batman, I don't know enough about it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, this, you'll see. We'll go through. Um, yeah, I'll go through my list. You'll understand. Anyway, uh, so I got the first pick for the night, right? Yes. Okay. Did you have anything more to say on Batman? Wait, you sh- it should be your next honorable uh, mention, right? Uh, oh no. Okay. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. I lost track. Yeah. You can go into your next pick. <laughs> um, I have more to say on Batman. So, so my next pick, my first actual pick is, um, critical roles, Vox Machina, which will be on Amazon prime. It's the, it's the animated project based on their show critical role, which is them playing dungeons and dragons. This is the one that made the Kickstarter like, um, headlines that it was the fastest growing Kickstarter in record time. They asked for like, they said like, we need a hundred thousand dollars to make this project a reality. And they were going to do like two episodes and put it up on the internet for everyone to watch. And the yeah. Kickstarter over 48 hours raised, they gave like three weeks to get a hundred thousand dollars in 48 hours. They had over a million dollars. Um, nice. so they, it's the fastest ever Kickstarter. And because of that, we're getting two seasons of a television show on Amazon prime. Um, it drops January 28th. Um, the more they've talked about it on their show, there's clips. There's like these like 30 second clips of stuff that they've done. Uh, the people who did the animation for this are the same guys who did like uh, Castlevania and, um, uh, some of the D- like they pulled some of the guys from Castlevania, a bunch of the guys from uh, D.C., um, some of the D.C. animated stuff is doing work on this. They're all doing the voices. Um, it's I'm really, really excited for this. I've uh, been so since I heard about it. And I'm like, yes, bring this. So it's been this has been a waiting game. Like, when are we going to get this? <laughs> That's so, awesome. Um, so it, anyone from Critical Role, if you're listening, I'm a huge fan of yours. I can't wait for this project. Um, so, yeah, this made one of my top fives for the night. So. Yeah, that's that's a really cool uh, poll. And I remember when they announced this show, like I I feel like it was like two years ago. And I remember yeah. seeing some uh, concept art for it online and it looked like it was going to have a really cool art style. And uh, I haven't I don't know if there's a trailer out or any screenshots or something, but I really want to look this up because from what I see, from what I've seen, like the brief images I have, it looked really neat. And uh, I've been looking forward to this one, too. I just didn't know it was already coming out. So that's awesome to hear. They have they have some clips. There's some clips where it's like the cast doing like a table read where you have like a side by side where the cast is sitting there with their scripts doing the lines. And yeah. Have like and then the spot next to him is the screen of the animation. And then they have um the opening sequence with the theme song posted. Um, okay. So nice. you can kind of get a glimpse of what the animation is going to look like. It just, it looks like so much fun and it's going to be incredibly adult. I don't know in terms of like action and like violence, if it's going to be incredibly adult, but in terms of language, probably dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to dialogue for sure. Um, but yeah, so 
Yeah. All right, man. What's your first pick for the night? Sweet. Well, I'm going to keep us in the fantasy realm of things, but um, kind of a completely different direction. And I'm just going to get this pick over with because I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if this is going to be good or not, but I'm really excited to see it. And I went with uh, the Lord of the Rings, which is I believe it's going to be a Amazon show. Um, I might have that wrong, but I have no idea what this show is going to be about. I've heard they're not uh, going by source material, but as far as this show is concerned, I don't know what's true and what's rumors. And I don't know if I want to know or if I just want to experience it when it comes out. But this is a beloved uh, book franchise as well as a movie franchise that is having a show with a massive budget come out. And I'm just really curious what this is going to be. And I know there's a lot of people who are really skeptical about this show. And I haven't looked super into all the reasons to be skeptical, to, to be skeptical, skeptical about it or not. But um, yeah, I think this is just going to be a really interesting series to see how it plays out. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if I'm going to even like it, but I think it's going to be interesting to say the least. <laughs> so, right. So, All right. So here's what I can tell you that I'm on from what I understand. The first season, they had a billion dollar budget for the first season alone, which is unheard of. Um, Secondly, the show, from what I believe, is the second era. Now, I don't know enough about I don't know enough about Tolkien lore to know how far into the prequel era it is. From The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like knowing where that falls, because Lord of the Rings is what we all read first. Then The Hobbit came out and it takes place beforehand. So you have The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. That's the order you view those or read those. This takes place X amount of years beforehand. But I do know that Tolkien, the level of note taking and lore and world building they he did making that series all the source material is there, but it's going to be stuff that we're familiar. It's it's that thing where familiar territory, all new stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like it's kind of like when we all went into the Mandalorian. Familiar territory, but we were all learning together as fans. And that's that's pretty much what I'm expecting okay. from this. Um, I just I've just heard things like they're not following specific uh Tolkien lore and stuff like that and there's a lot of people who are super skeptics about this series because of that so I don't know how it's going to play out but listen it's a billion dollar budget for the first season so I feel yeah. it's going to look pretty if nothing else so that'll be great <laughs> yeah my look I'm going to be my butt's going to be in a seat for it I'm I'm excited for this it made my short list so yeah yeah um all right my pick for the night yeah um, so my next pick is um, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, the next season. I've spoken heavily in the past about how much I love this show and everyone should watch it. Um, it's been gone for a really long time because of COVID. Um, so now it's finally coming back this year. So I'm just excited for more. Have you, nice. ever, watched, have you ever watched that show? No, I, I still haven't watched it. Oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. That's fair. It's on the list somewhere, yeah. but maybe I'll get to it. So that's fair. It's, yeah, it's it's great. I just I can't wait for more. So, um, yeah. So Marvelous Miss Maisel, that's where I'm at. So your pick. 
Nice. Okay, so my next pick is kind of weird. Um, I went with The Last of Us, and uh, I haven't played The Last of Us games. Um, I've witnessed uh, people playing it before uh, briefly. It looked like just super brutal survival horror, kind of like, uh, I guess not technically, but a very similar to a zombie sort of scenario that these characters are going through. But this is kind of... uh, the people I know who like this game have told me, like, this is one of the best, like, zombie-like stories ever. And uh, it just makes me excited for this TV show. I feel like walking the hype for The Walking Dead has waned so much in the last few years. And I feel like we're kind of due for another just really cool survival horror uh, sort of series. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for out of this. Um, and I don't have too much to say because I'm not super familiar with the source material, but on paper, I think this show is going to be perfect for me and, uh, I'm really excited about it. So. Right on. Yeah. Um, not that I forgot about the last of us, but I'm kind of with you in the boat where I didn't play the games. Um, yeah. but I totally like in for it in terms of like, I dig the cast and I'm excited to see where this goes. And, um, I know enough about what the story is to go. Yeah, dude, I'm in, you know what I mean? So yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, so my next one, so this is where I'm going to go with the Marvel TV for the night. Um, and we have a lot of shows coming from Marvel. Uh, yeah, we have She-Hulk. Yeah, we have Miss Marvel coming. Um, and they're putting out all this stuff on Disney plus the one I'm going with because I'm the most curious about it is Moon Knight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was wondering, I was like, we could have matched on that one. I'm not 100 percent sure. But yeah, Moon Knight. Um, I, I really like Moon Knight by itself. The glimpse, the tiny glimpse we got to see a Moon Knight on Disney Plus Day. I'm just like, ooh, this looks good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, right. On. There's not much more you can say about it, but this looks cool. So, um, yeah, I'm in. I'm just I'm I'm down. And I this is one of those things where. You know, in that world where and when you saw the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and you're like, wait, Adam Warlock, are we getting to see Adam Warlock on screen? I should stop being surprised by things. But when they announced we're getting a Moon Knight show, who in the right mind thought we were getting a Moon Knight show? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. So Moon Knight. Definitely. <laughs> uh, we didn't we didn't match on this one, but um, I'm definitely with you where this is the Marvel show that I'm the most excited about. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the curiosity of it. But it's also like um, knowing Moon Knight as a character, I think this show is going to have a really cool, like dark tone. And I just think it's going to be epic. And like you said, the little bit that we've seen from the show looks amazing. So yeah, I don't have too much to say besides that, but this is uh, definitely a really exciting one to look forward to. And so what's your um, next one? Yeah. So for my next pick, I went with House of the Dragon, the uh, Game of Thrones prequel series that's coming out. And uh, this one, I feel like uh, the Lord of the Rings. This, I think, is kind of a divisive pick because of how divisive that the last season of Game of Thrones was. But I don't know. This is I still have faith in in Game of Thrones as far as TV series goes. And I'm 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 just excited about this one. I don't know. This is another one where, like, I know it's a prequel series um, and it's going to focus on the um, Targaryens and stuff. But I don't I haven't been looking into all the details a ton because this is another one where I want it to be a bit of a surprise when it comes out, but uh, I'm really excited about this one. And like I said, I mean, so far I've had the Witcher, 
Lord of the Rings, House of the Dragon. Like, I really like this sort of epic fantasy trend that's going on with shows right now. So I just want to keep that trend wow. going. So I'm that you said that and I'm just realizing how epic fantasy we're getting. Yeah. Like, I mean, just think about the shows we've talked about right now. We've talked about uh, Vox Machina, which is Dungeons and Dragons. You brought up Amazon, uh, Lord of the Rings from Amazon. Then we got House of the Dragon. Then we got The Witcher. Like, that's a lot. That's, you know, <laughs> and like th- there's the Wheel of Time on Amazon going yeah. on right now, which I still haven't watched. And yeah, there's a lot of cool, I guess, Game of Thrones set that trend. But it's it is a kind of a cool little thing going on right now. Well, that's the thing. If you go back and watch Lost and then realize what Lost, the the writing, whether you like Lost or not is irrelevant. OK, my point is lost set a format in terms of a formulaic way of telling serialized television that hadn't been done in such a long time prior to lost. Yeah. After lost, if you look at how television evolved from the idea of serialized television and bringing it back to the table, um, you can see where it goes. And then game of Thrones, I feel like is the next like, uh, key or linchpin in the puzzle that makes you go, here we go. Everyone's going to try their <laughs> game of Thrones show. Um, you know, Vikings, opinion, Vikings, in my opinion, is the, is the next was the first response to, Oh, people want this. Let's make a show. Um, and then Vikings and black sales are the two, in my opinion, where they're like, let's go back and tell a game of Thrones style story, but with certain things, um, the, uh, I, we totally matched on house of the dragon, by the way. Awesome. Uh, I was actually saving this one to the end, but yeah, we totally matched. Oh wow, it's okay. Um, the there was uh, a couple. There's a couple shows that just rank higher on my list, but this oh, is no, definitely up there. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. So House of the Dragon, I'm really excited for this. The world of Westeros is a world that I always want more from. It doesn't matter how you feel about Game of Thrones, and if you know, I've heard so many people going, "Well, you watch everything up to the, you just don't watch the last season, or you just don't watch the last episode." You know what? Get over yourself, dude. Like, we could do a whole show just on the fact that um, I I could sit and explain to everybody that final episode again. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think we did that. I think we did that episode though. We did that. <laughs> and sometimes when I hear people talk about Game of Thrones, I'm like, you're not listening to anything. You're not like, you know. Um, you're not paying attention to what was the information that was provided. I actually think that they needed one more episode right in the middle of that season to just open it up a little bit more. Otherwise, I have no problem with that final season. But it's yeah. a world that I always want more from. And I want to see where more like I don't necessarily need to go and revisit those characters again, but seeing other areas. So getting this House of the Dragon show, I'm actually really kind of excited to see what happens with it. Um, Absolutely. And and I'll say just tonally, I think. um Game of Thrones has such a rich sort of not just like the sort of like violence and stuff like that, not even not just the mature stuff, but just the really rich, intricate, like political dialogue, as well as just all the um, scheming going on and stuff. There's a really refreshing just tone that that show had. And I'm excited for more of that as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I'm totally with you there. Um, So, yeah, House of the Dragon. Again, I'm excited. Um, I can't wait. And the stuff they've shown is a great HBO has a new sizzle reel right now of, uh, upcoming shows, um, and things coming to the platform. Um, I forgot, like until I saw that sizzle reel, I completely forgot. There's another season of, uh, 
Uh, Flight Attendant is coming. There's another season of Westworld, which I thought was interesting because I thought they were done. They sure <laughs> they sure as hell made it sound like they were done after the final episode so, of the last season. But hey, that works. Um, so yeah, House of the Dragon. I just I can't wait. So yeah. All right. Nice. Uh, what's your final pick? Oh, I have two more actually. Wait. Oh crap. Yeah. I guess that's, <laughs> it's, it's, how do we do that? I don't know. <laughs> Um, because I have. Do you want me to do both of mine? Well, I have row, one or? more. I have one more pick. Okay. Like, because I talked about Vox Machina, Miss Maisel, Moon Knight, House of the Dragon. How about how about this? I'll do the one because okay. I feel like we matched on one of them at least. So I'll do the one I don't think we matched on. Okay. But I'm kind of surprised with my last two picks because the one I'll talk about next is actually Willow. Um, did we match for this? No, but I'm kind of okay. curious. How do you only have? And yeah, I write all this stuff down. <laughs> you can talk, we can talk about Willow in a second. Do you want me to write, go through my list again? Yeah. Because okay. I, have, I have, in the order you gave them to me, hold on. I got Witcher Blood Origin, Batman the Cape Crusader. Those were both honorable mentions. Yep. Low Tour okay. on Amazon. Uh, the Last of Us. Moon yeah. Knight. House oh, no, no, sorry. We didn't oh. match for Moon Knight. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we didn't match for that one, but uh, I do agree. Okay. It was it was the way it was the way we were talking about it. My bad, I got it. Okay, so Willow. <laughs> Willow, talk to me about Willow. <laughs> this one I was actually going to save for last because I think I'm the most excited about this show. And this is another one. I'm not super familiar with where they're going to go with the story, but... Willow as a movie is just one of my favorite films and uh, it's just so fun and so epic and it's held, it's really stood the test of time for me. And uh, just looking at other Disney plus shows, looking at the Mandalorian and uh, the MCU shows, I just really have high hopes for the show from a production standpoint. Um, I still really, I mean, I don't even know all the actors they're bringing back, but I'm excited to see Warwick Davis again. And I'm excited to really just enjoy the Willow world again with uh, modern special effects. Like, I think that's going to be just super epic. So I'm just extremely excited about this one. Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but uh, yeah, this is one I definitely thought we were matching on. So I'm yeah, a little bit surprised, yeah. but <laughs> Willow, Willow made my short list. Um, yes. Uh, I'm really excited to see where Willow goes. I'm really excited to see what it's going to be. Um, I read the Chris Claremont novels. There's three of them. Um, I read those back in the day. If they even remotely touch those as source material, it's going to be an awesome show. If they're writing their own thing, that's cool, too. But we really don't know much more than the cast that they got introduced on that Disney Plus, like, special video thing that they released. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of curious to see how this all going to play out, if you will. Um, but, yeah, no, Willow made my short list. I'm really excited for it, but I want to know more. And we also don't have a release date, so I'm not 100 percent sure. Like, I, I'm, I'm not even 100. Like, they say 2022 yeah. without a hard release and very <laughs> little that they showed. It might not even be till next year. So. Yeah, I mean, they might pull a spawn and it'll just never come out like that spawn movie we've been waiting like three years for at this point. <laughs> definitely don't think that's the case, but hey, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, Disney's maybe a little bit more punctual with their releases than Todd McFarlane. I don't know, but <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, all right. So that gives me one more and you one more, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. My final pick of the night is my last Star Wars one, and that is Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, we we matched for this. We matched on this. So. All right. So yeah. here's the thing. This is where this stands out over Ahsoka. I have a general sense of what they want to do with Ahsoka. And if you listen to, if you've watched Clone Wars, if you've watched Rebels, and you paid attention to the dialogue within that episode of Mandalorian, you have a good idea in your mind about the direction they're probably going and hearing that they cast Sabine Wren and all that stuff. So I'm excited for it. So it makes my honorable mention. But here's the thing. We're going into back to prequel era territory with Ewan McGregor reprising his role as Obi-Wan for six episodes. The idea of him watching over little Luke, but still having to deal with the galaxy as is. With the rising of the event, with, with the rise of the Empire in that era, plus the fact that we got Hayden Christensen coming back to play Darth Vader and the fact that we probably are going to get an Obi-Wan Vader rematch. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? This show has me so, so excited. Um, I absolutely can't wait. Um, I I really honestly don't know what else to say about the show other than I'm such a lifelong Star Wars fan. And this is like. I, I always thought that an Obi-Wan show would be. Um, I always thought that an Obi-Wan show would be weird or an Obi-Wan movie would be weird because, well, after he delivers Luke to Owen and Brew on Tatooine at the end of episode three, that's Obi-Wan's life until you pick him up on episode four. But there's people have pointed out some certain things where there's lines of dialogue with the last time we met, I was but the learner, which means Vader is still not where he needs to be. And it uh, bodes well to the fact that there could have been, you know. So first off, Vader saying the last time we met, I was I was the learner. Um, now I'm the master. OK, well, that in episode four, when we hear that line of dialogue, you think to yourself, oh, that harkens back to episode three when they fought. Cool. But. Obi-Wan left Vader to die on Mustafar, and then later when Obi-Wan is talking to Luke at the beginning of episode four, he says he's more machine now than man. Makes me – it's the holy crap. That dialogue lends the fact that he knows about what happened to Anakin, and there's a chance that they fought again. So just the idea of that and going – it was in front of us the whole time. We didn't see it. I can't wait to see where this goes. Yeah, dude, I'm so excited for this. I'm going to stop talking, let you run. <laughs> no, that's that's really interesting. And that's um, I do think that's like really microscopically focusing in on specific pieces of dialogue and reading into them a lot. But at the same time, that's kind of what Star Wars is all about. You know, like every time a Star Wars movie comes out, it's all about dissecting all the little details and finding hidden meanings. And, you know, sometimes if you really take the time or you really spend the time researching, you can really find out some super interesting uh, details and concepts and philosophies that are hidden within Star Wars. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, this show I am so excited about. Um the, you touched on it, but the idea of Obi-Wan uh, kind of like in hiding and kind of looking over young Luke, I think is a really cool concept. I like stories. I do like the potential for stories that focus on, focus on a character like maybe in hiding and maybe working behind the scenes and stuff. And I feel like in Star Wars, we haven't gotten a ton of that yet. Like we got a glimpse of it maybe at the very beginning of Rogue One, but we haven't really I, I just think it's a fun concept to be following Obi-Wan where he has to really 
be a little bit more covert and he is in hiding. But uh, I think I just I think there's a lot of potential for this uh, series. And I feel like. In my head, I feel like I I know what to expect, but I'm kind of hoping that they're going to throw some curveballs at us and really surprise us with this uh, with a series like maybe the whole series doesn't even take place all on Tatooine and stuff like that. Maybe we get some other planets that Obi-Wan somehow ends up on. You know, I don't know where they're going to go with this, but I think it's going to be a fun ride uh, for sure. So. Nice. OK. Right on. Um, yeah. So we both match for Obi-Wan. Great. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I, <laughs> that brings us to the end of this list. Um, I'm really excited to see that show. And um, yeah, so keep an eye on your uh, Disney Plus, dude. You don't want to forget the, that episode, that show dropped. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Book of Boba Fett dropped today. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. I'm just not <laughs> doing it. All right, man. What are we? Do? It's we're back to form. We get to take our we get to take turns picking. So what are we doing next week? Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a while since I've even picked a topic. But I know. so the Christmas holiday recently pack, passed. And um, while I was watching my son open up presents, I got the idea for uh, for our next list. And uh, what I want to focus on, because it got me thinking, because he actually got a few action figures this this year, All and right. it got me thinking about action figures in general and how back in the day there was actually certain shows and movies and properties that I actually got interested in just because of the toys. And okay. I kind of think that'd be a fun list to focus on. So I want to know, like, your top five franchises that you got into because of their toys or just because of their merchandise in general. I think that'd be a fun, Eesh. a fun topic okay. to explore. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. That's, I'm just trying to think of how I'm going to word that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking like show notes, how I'm going to word that. Okay. I know. I usually try to think of a short way to describe it, but this one, I feel like it does need a full sentence to really get at it. But I, I, I thought you were like yeeshing because you didn't you felt like this was going to be a hard list. But I do think especially if you think of when you're a kid and you're at the toy store store and you see some action figure for some movie or something you haven't even heard of. And then later on, you actually get into that series. Like, I think it's if you go back in the day, you can definitely come up with some picks for this one. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the each was a little bit of that. I'm looking around the room at some of the action figures I have in front of me going, did I? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, good call. Um, all right, man, that sounds good. I'll see what I can do and dig through. Um, Another way to focus on it. Um, sorry, I don't mean to go too long, but there's also a lot of shows like uh, He-Man is a really good example or like uh, Street Sharks is another one where they they made the animated series to promote the toys like the toys came first and then the show came afterwards, you know, so that's another way to look at this one. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, dude. Well, um, that kind of ends our show. Let's toss this one in the can. Um, please do us a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Um, you can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. Uh, we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us uh, get better and it makes the words we say feel important. 
You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be reminding you that sometimes it's okay to skip the credit scene. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's never okay to skip the credit scene. (laughs) I don't know. Did you see that Hawkeye credit scene? Oh. All right. Um, (laughs) All right, man. Well, uh, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.